coming a shift to you today. And I don't want to say that in a trite way. Uh, I've been preaching long enough. You know, a preacher or anybody talking can stir the crowd and we can use gestures and excitement. And, and so I do understand that. But the, last week at the end of the year, I taught a lesson on the sovereignty of God. And I shared with you things I've tried to work out over my life of where does God fit in our lives with His sovereignty. And I thought it was going to be a one-off. I told everybody that works here, I'm just going to do a one-off and then I'm going to come at the top of the year and I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to pray and see where the Lord wants us to go. And uh, so I was planning on just another one-off since Robin's conference is coming, the Bloom conference is coming, daughters. And I got so many comments off last week, uh, text messages, friends, people that live in other states that follow along, subscribe, listen to the podcast. And I was, I was getting back things like, that changed my life. It helped me understand God in a different way, and which I always enjoy that. I enjoy that maybe something I say, say makes a difference to people, so I think everybody likes it. So I was just kind of checking off thanks. I appreciate it. But as it was happening, I really felt stirred, and the shift was that maybe we as a, as a congregation need to deep dive this topic on the sovereignty of God. And so I shifted gears, and so I just want to continue. I don't know how long we'll go. I will not be here next week. It's a conference. I mean, I'll be here, but not speaking. But when I come back, I just told the Lord, whatever you want to do about your sovereignty and the sovereignty of God, then so be it. Uh, I want to see what God wants to do, and it's going to be good. Amen? I'm excited about it. So here's the thinking. I'll put the thought. Is it coming on the TV up there? Can we clip it over? Let's give it a second and see. You got to love technology, right? There. There it is. It doesn't take long. It just has to go up to heaven, get permission, come back down. That's about how long it takes to get to the throne. The thing I've been meditating on this week that I talked about the shift is who bears the responsibility for your life? On the surface, it's just a very shallow question, but if we, as I say, if we really parse it out to every detail, the answer is going to depend on what we believe. Far-right, conservative-leaning Christians, who bears the responsibility? The answer is easy. It's God. God bears the responsibility for everything. Theologically, we say everything passes through His hand, the good and the evil. Nothing happens in your life that He doesn't know about or is making happen. You can't do anything without Him. He's the all in all. He's everything. He's Jesus. He's the great I Am. He's the way, He's the truth, and the life. You don't even have life without Him. And that's kind of the right extreme of what role does God play in the responsibility of your life? So that we would say things like, wherever you've been born, it was the will of God. God's in charge. God's calling the shots. God's doing it all. It's all on His shoulders. So that the people that are born into a bad home, a bad family, they're born, they're molested, they're born, they're sick with diseases. It's easy to kind of just throw it all and go, well, it's all God's fault. Because God's in charge of the world and He let me be born to this hellacious family. 
or this hellacious life, and therefore it's all God. The other side of the extreme would be the left-leaning, and that would be what we would label agnostic atheists. There is no God at all. Whatever Michael Pace makes of his life is his doing. There's nobody to blame it on. God is not even there, and whatever he makes of himself, then it's on him. And the argument would go that if we wanted to assess statistically who does better, do the people who serve God, where God's in charge of everything, do better than the people who don't even believe in God, who don't even believe the Lord is doing anything, who don't even believe a God exists? So the question becomes, who's right, who's wrong? Well, we'll argue all day. You can't prove there's a God. Oh, yes, I can. Then show me. Well, I can't really. It's a belief. It's a faith. I can't show you God. It's something I believe. It's an internal belief system. And then if we really wanted to argue, and I I thought this through, if I had to sit in a debate, would I rather debate there is a God that's involved in life, or would I rather debate on this team there is no God, it's just what you make of it? I would choose that there is no God is what you make of it because I already believe this. So I would want to argue on the team of there is no God. I'd want to be on that team even though I believe this team. This is the way I live. But the reality is very telling because this side will say the people who believe in God really are no better than the people who don't. Their marriages are just as broken. Church people get divorced just as much as non-church people. We're just as sick as people who don't even believe in healing. We were just as scared of COVID as people who don't even believe that God exists. So the reality is, are we really better off having a God that bears the responsibility of our life or are we better off just to live life and cross your fingers and make do? Because it could be argued, and and again, you you, you can stir the pot on both sides. How dare you act like that God's not over everything? Or how dare you be so stupid you think there's an unseen being that's controlling everything? And then we argue. And like I say, it's it's a very hard argument because we're going, God's in charge of everything. He's a healing God. He's a delivering God. He's a saving God. He helps us. He gives us wisdom. And then, then this team says, well, if he's a healing, saving, delivering God, why is your marriage a mess? Why are you sick? Why do you have cancer? Why do you have heart trouble? Why do you have diabetes? Why, why do you have high blood pressure? Why are your kids in rebellion? Why did you get fired from your job? It doesn't go any better for this group. It's what the argument would be. So I ask you what I think is a fair question. Who's in charge of you? God or you? Did did God make you get out of bed today to come here? Or did you just decide, I think I'll go? Now, this team could say, oh, he got you out of bed because he put it in your heart. And this team over here says... There was nothing in your heart. You just made a decision to go. Because if you say God put it in my heart to go to church, so did God put it in your heart to go eat pizza? Like where do we draw the line? Which I thought was a good argument one time when a guy said it's easier to not believe in God. And I said, explain. I'd like to hear that. He said, well, 
for you who do believe in God, you have to constantly go to Him and ask His permission. Should I marry this person? Should I go to this school? Should I buy this car? Should I eat this pizza? Should I go to this church? Should I go to that church? Should I date this guy? Should I date this girl? Should I buy the blue or should I buy the green? Should I eat the pizza with cheese or go vegan? What should I do? God, I only want you to do... Tell me what to do. Should I join One Life or should I join LA Fitness? Should I buy the Volkswagen or should I buy the Tesla? Ding, 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 ding. Tell me, Lord, what you think I should do. Lord, I'm really struggling. Should I go to the University of Alabama or should I go to the dogs? Tell me, Lord, because I want to pick. We all know what God would say, but tell me, Lord. <laughs> tell me, Lord, what I should do. So, so it's a good argument because to the people that don't believe in God, they don't have to wake up and think, should I buy a Toyota or Honda? What pleases the Lord? They just get on Consumer Reports and pick the best car or the car they want. They're not trying to over-spiritualize, is it green or blue? Because that has some spiritual significance to it. They're not trying to determine, should they eat bread with yeast or not? They just eat. They don't have to determine, should I take my hat off to pray? They don't even pray. So I felt like when the guy said it, he had a valid argument. We do seem to complicate this God being that involves himself into our life. Well, I want to read the Bible, but Lord, I just want you to tell me what to read. What? Where should I start? Tell me where to start. Like everything I need him to download what I should do next. So I would like to talk about this for a moment, if I may. And I want to tell you what I land my plane on and how I've tried to balance this out. Now, if you study all of Scripture, you're going to find this case to be true. It's not either or, all or nothing, here all, here nothing. My belief is it's both and. God is responsible for your life, but so are you. Let me explain. Before Adam and Eve showed up, God did His part. He created the planet, the food, the trees, the animals, the water, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the garden. He put them into the garden and did His part. He breathed life into them. But after he did that, he backed away and said, yo, I don't know if he did say that, but yo, I did my part, look around. It's your time now to take dominion, reproduce, and multiply. In other words, as big as God is, he wasn't going to multiply for them. They had to go into the tent and hook up with a brother or a sister. And then she has to birth the baby. So we can just start from the very beginning and say it's both and. Let's take it a little further. Let's take it to Noah. God shows up and says, hey, I want to be responsible here. I'm about to kill off everybody. But I do have a great idea. I need you to build a boat. Now who's in charge? Is God going to build it or Noah? What we know from the story is it's both and. God says in the story, you will build a boat, but you will only use one kind of tree. Depending on what version, a cypress tree or a gopher tree. 
You're going to use one kind of tree to build this boat. Oh, P.S., so you know that I did my part. I'm going to give you the dimensions. I'm going to tell you the kind of tree, because I'm so big, I've already planted them for you. All I need you to do is go put your responsibility to what I've already planted. So for a hundred years, he chops and drags. And what we know from the story, God doesn't show up to help the brother drag trees. That's rude. He gives me a job. He plants the trees. But you would think if he's God, he could send an angel or two to chop a few down. No, I did my part. I planted the trees. I need you to chop them, stack them, tar them, and build them. And when you've done your part, I'll come back and do my part. He does his part, God does his part. He sends the animals. That's God's part. And then God says, hey, I did my part. There's all the animals. Now your part is you'll take care of them on the boat. I'm not taking care of them. I love you. I'm not going to be on the boat. I'm still up there, but I'll be taking care of you on the boat. So he did his part. He built the boat. God did his part. The animals came. God put the animals on the ark and Noah took care of them. He did his part. So what we need to know is that God is always both and. I will do my part. But there will be a requirement on you to do your part. And what happens is many people here who are Christians want God to do everything. I want Him to tell me who to marry. Well, why don't you just put yourself out there a little bit? Why don't you quit looking so shabby, beef yourself up a little bit, lose a little weight, and get out there on the market? I just want God to bring them. And in the Bible, He would just bring them. You don't live in the Bible anymore. You have Facebook. There's dating sites. There's all kinds of ways to meet people. I just want to go and get water of a camel and hopefully just bump into... I mean, no. But the way we live is... We feel like that many times as Christians, if we do anything, it will be evil. And I can only do what the Lord tells me to do. And so we wait and wait and wait. Waiting on who's responsible. Think about Jesus. God came with His responsibility. It's my word. Okay, how will that be? My spirit. Okay, that's his responsibility. What's mine? I need your womb. You will birth the baby, nurse the baby, raise the baby, feed the baby. How many of you know if Mary doesn't do her part, we don't have a Savior? She loses Jesus at age 12. Show you what I'm talking about. When she lost the Savior of the world, God wasn't sitting in heaven on His throne and went, oop, He lost her. Give me an angel to go get Him. God didn't even show up. Mom had to backtrack her own mistakes and go hunt Him down. I'm not saying the Father didn't mind to shoo her over a little bit, but the reality of she had to go hunt Him down. Now what I want to teach you this morning by the shift is I want to teach you how to shift Living your life where God's not in it at all or sitting around waiting on Him to do everything for you. you got to bring the middle. It's both and. He will do His part. Now, what is fair for everybody in the room for God's part? I'm going to, I'm going to uh, common denominator the part. 
Here's what God already did for you. Remember, He gave all the garden and all the stuff for Adam and Eve. He gave all the trees for Noah. What did God do for you? What, what has He already done right now? Number one, He gave you breath. He gave you breath. So every day you wake up, God's like, I did my part, you're breathing. Number two, he says to everybody in the room, regardless of where you've been born or what you're going through, he says this, every 24 hours you wake up, there will be new mercy waiting on you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So he common denominator, some of you are going to blow it today, but every day you wake up, I've done my part, mercy's waiting on you. You get it? My part is your stupidity of yesterday will bump into my mercy today. Now, once you bump into my mercy, if you want to continue to be stupid, it ain't my fault. He gives you mercy. Now, he's so good that after you get up and get moving in your day, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So God's doing his part. I gave you breath. I give you mercy for your mistakes. And as you're going through life, I'm behind you going, goodness, mercy, goodness, mercy, goodness. I got you. I'm doing my part. P.S. Mark, this might blow you away. I gave you a brain. Some of you need to tweak it and use it a little bit. But we, we get so caught up with, well, I don't know if that's my thought or God's thought. Is that God or is it me? Is it God or it's me? It's you. He gave you a brain. That's why he says, renew it, renew it, renew it, because I'm giving you wisdom and thoughts, and if you'll renew it, you can trust that. Oh, no, I don't want to trust my brain. I don't, what are you talking about? He gave it to you. He gave you a noggin. Use it. It doesn't blow him away for you to go, I'm kind of smart. I think I could figure this out. Use your noggin. And yet so many Christians, I just want to live by the Spirit. Just Spirit. Okay, what good is that? If you can't use your brain, you have to use your noggin. It's your responsibility. He gave it to you. Use it. And yet so many people are afraid. Listen to this scripture, James 1. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the devils believe. This stings a mite. The reason I say if you're not careful, if you're just sitting around believing in God but doing nothing, you're in no better category than a demon. Many people believe but do nothing with their life. That's what demons do. They believe, but they don't do anything for God. They're just taking up space. And it goes on to say, do you, want, do you want to be shown? I don't like this phrase, you foolish person. I don't want that to be Mark. But faith apart from works is useless. That ought to wake everybody in the room up. Useless. In other words, God's like, look, I'll give you the faith if you'll listen to me. But Mark, you got to get out of bed, bro. You got to do your part. You got to put your shoes on. You got to get busy. Well, you, you wake up at the top of the year, Lord, I just want to lose weight. Help me. Do you legit think that when you go to bed on Sunday night, the Lord, when you wake up, you're going to wake up at One Life Fitness? 
You think you're going to go to bed pudgy and just wake up totally dressed in your yoga pants at One Life Fitness and go, God, I don't know how I got here. I guess I better work out. You have to get yourself out of bed. And rarely does God go, hey, you made a commitment. Get up, get up, get up. You have to set your alarm. You have to learn to put works to it. And so I think that bothers a lot of people because especially us Spirit-filled vibe people, we love to blame a lot on the Holy Spirit and it's not even the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to speak to me. To say what? You're overweight? Your marriage is a disaster? You're in debt over your heels? What do you want God to say? Just use your brain and get busy doing something. I just want the Lord to speak. I don't want to do anything without a word. I got a word. Useless. There's your word. I don't even like seeing that for myself. I don't want to be that way. And yet a lot of Christians are living today praying that God will just do something. Do something in our world. Do something in my city. Do something in politics. I'm like, why don't you go do something? If you don't like the way the government's run, put your name on a sign and go run for a spot. Move up and go become a senator or something. We, we have to understand that yes, God does His part, but so do we. I want to teach you how this happens. Now, everybody in the room got this, so grab it. You're going to need it. If you don't have one, we put out enough, so borrow it. And I would love everybody to participate. It'll be very meaningful. So everybody got one, young, old alike. This is what it is. It's your life. I started you at zero, and I was kind. I'm going to let you get to 100. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you. I don't know anybody in here over 100. If you are, please forgive me. I need you to look along your little list, and I need you to tear it wherever you are. So whatever years you've already lived, tear that off. So I'm going to tear off right at the line of 60. I'm going to be right at 60, so I'm going to tear it. Now hold that in your left hand. So tear wherever your age is and hold that. Don't throw the other way. Hold this. So it's kind of defeating. I've got like a half. Now most Christians, most, their entire life is lived off of what they've already lived. They have walls up, fears, anxieties. Who did them wrong? Who's hurt them? What preacher hurt them? What pastor did them wrong? What church? What ex-lover? What boyfriend? My ex-wife, my ex-husband, my family, my boss, my friends. Most people's life is lived in the past. They can't ever get over it. That's why they have addictions. That's why they, they have all the ways that they cope. We would call it coping mechanisms. We have walls around us. Pink Floyd, all in all, is this another brick in the wall? And this, this becomes the defining moment of whether we're victims or not. And we waste a lot of energy on what's already happened. I'll, I'll enlighten you with a little bit of wisdom. You don't get to go back and change this. You can cry all day long about it but you don't get a do-over. 
If you've wasted it, it's already wasted. If you're crying over it, you've wasted tears. You, God does not give you the opportunity to go back and do it again. It, so, so it's going to be riddled with failures, disappointments. I wish I could have, should have, would have. Why didn't I? But something about this would have to be important to God because He says, it doesn't have as much power as you think because I'm not going to allow you to go back and change it. Well, wait a minute. If I can't go back, how could I become something incredible? Because all of this has messed me up. And He says, oh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mercy becomes new every morning. So I will say this to you this morning, in, in dealing with your life and who's responsible, you need to learn to let this go. You can't change it. I would love to go back and do that. There's some mistakes I've made that were very shameful. There's some things I wish now I know that I would have done differently. But I can't. I have to own it and I'll either be defined by it or I'll grow from it. The likelihood is that Shiloh, Davis, Marlene, us in the room, we would grow from it. We would become better people. Sad to say, statistically, most don't become better people. We become bitter. We never get by it. I need you to take what's left over, the life you're living now. Don't, don't get that other one too far gone. We're going to do something with it. So I'm looking at 60 to 100. I don't know where yours is. But I googled, how many of you live in Georgia? Good, everybody, most. If you don't live in Georgia, praise God, you might not be as discouraged. But in Georgia, the average age that men and women live is 75.6. Now, if you're my mom and dad, you're already in the glory years. They've already passed statistics. So don't tear anything. Y'all could actually get to 100. But if you hadn't hit 75.6 yet, I need you to tear it right there. So tear about 75. So, and then take 80 on up and put it in your other pocket. Now don't go too spiritual. I'm not going to confess that. I'm not confessing I'm dying at 75. I'm not saying you are going to die at 75. So don't play that with me. I ain't tearing it. I'm going to live longer than that. You've gone way too spiritual on me. I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying statistically in Georgia, you're out of here by then. Now take what's left. That's your life. That's what Mark Evans, if I live the statistics, that's what I have left. My prayer is, is that I'll break the statistic. I'll make choices that'll get me beyond 75. I'll eat better and take care of this whole body. But I need you to look at this real carefully because I want to ask a question. Are you going to waste that? That's what you got left. You want to make any more excuses of what your problems are, why you can't afford something, why you're scared to do it? You want to blame people for this? This is all you got left. You don't get any more. You don't get to come back as a cow or a queen. When it's done, it's done. And you can't do anything about what you've already ripped off on the backside. You can't do anything about the front side. What are you going to do about this? Are you going to keep being bitter at people? Mad at people? Blaming the government? Aliens? Nephilim? 
Government conspiracies, old exes, new exes, pastors and friends, employees. Whose fault is it here? If you've got a good life or bad, is it God or you? Who's, who's the problem here? You have this much time to do something. And it was very sobering. I hadn't done it. When I did it in the first service, I almost thought, my God, I need to quit now. I did, yeah. I'm so excited to pastor. My little line's not that long. I mean, it is sobering when you're 58 and you're looking. And, and my mom and dad are right up here at almost 90. So even if they live to be 100, they're little, they're little not much left either. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to finally write the book you've always wanted to write? Go to the school that you always wanted to go to? Start the business you always wanted to start? Or are you just going to sit around and wait on God some more? What are you going to do with it? Are you finally going to go get marriage counseling? Or are you going to keep wasting this on a bad marriage because you can't afford $100 to go get help? There's enough knowledge out there. If you have a bad marriage, there's plenty of books you could get better, but, but you're wasting it. And every day, this is what's sobering. Every day, you got to tear off another little piece. And every day, you have to tear off another little piece. And what are you going to waste it? Wondering what your, your Instagram account looks like? Wondering how many people on TikTok think you're viral? You're going to waste it just sitting around looking at porn all the time? Ruining your life? And you want to blame it on God? The devil? Is, is, is this the devil's fault right here? Because this is the problem we have with the sovereignty of God. You've all been given a span of life. What will you do with it? What are you going to do with it? And I'll tell you what they said. They did a research on elderly, and, and by elderly it was 80 and up. And they asked them a question about their life. And across the board, across the board, this is what they answered when they said, look back over your life and tell us one thing you wish. Every one of them across the board answered within the same reason of, of the answer. They said, I wish I would have taken more risk. I wish I would have done more. I was scared. I, I was broke. I, I didn't know what people would think about me. I, I didn't know what people's opinions would think. I was obsessed with fear and anxieties. And what if I wreck? What if I go broke? What if, what if they don't clap for me? What if they don't approve me? What if I start a business and I have to go bankrupt and then start another one? And then, and then, and then. And the end result is we only, only get one little strip here. And I would love to tell you quit wasting it. So what I'd like to teach you to do over the next few minutes, oh goodness, I'm, I'll do it quick. Over the next few minutes, I want to teach you how to merge God into this. So that by the end of the year, you will have accomplished something. Do you want to go to school? Do you want to write a book? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to run a marathon? What do you want to do with it? Do you want a pastor? I looked at my little list and I said this to Phil and Robin and... Michael, I said, all my life I've wanted to get my doctorate degree. Not like a doctor surgeon. I'd kill people. <laughs> but like a PhD, philosophy, that kind of thing. 
And I'm, I'm 58. I've always wanted to do it. And I, I kind of just felt stirred, like, I need to do it. I just want to do it. But then the typical, oh, it costs so much. It's 40000 I don't... I'm 58. I don't need to have $40,000 to do that. Plus, it ain't going to help me anyway. You see how quickly you can talk yourself out of it. I've always wanted to run a marathon. I've tried three times every time I get hurt. That's ah, no big deal. I don't want to run a marathon. Why? Because it, it becomes too difficult. And the one thing I know about humans, our default is comfortable. We default to the most comfortable thing to do. I want to teach you how to live this well. Everybody look at this little piece you got left and go, I'm going to live this well. All right, let's do it. This is what Job says, shows you the truth of it. My life passes away more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness and disappears like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decided to forget my complaints, see, he agrees with us. Everybody can complain. Everybody's life, you've got defaults. So I could put away my sad face. See, sadness hits us all. I would still dread all the pain for I know I won't be innocent in front of God. He's even struggling with the sovereignty of God. What he's going through, is it God's fault, my fault, devil's fault? He says, and this is so telling. I, I underlined it in my Bible reading the other day. He says, ah, whatever happens, I'll be found guilty. So what's the use of even trying? What? What's the use of trying? Well, I've already gone broke once. I had a dream and it just went south quick. I'm just not doing What? You're not going to try again? You're going to dust your shoes off, Mark, and try running again? You're not, you're not going to try anymore? You're not going to try to have your best marriage ever? Well, I've already tried once. Yeah, last year was terrible. We went to counseling. It got even worse. I was going to start a business, but I couldn't get anybody to get in on board with me. I was going to write a book, but I just thought it was stupid. What's the use? Well, I'm going to teach you four things real quickly. Number one, many people never experience a fruitful life because they don't plan for the chaos. I'd love to tell you that when you believe in God, there'll be no chaos. Lo and behold, there is a lot. I'll show you what I mean. How we don't plan for it. Answer this out loud. Two plus two? Seven plus nine? Well, y'all got quiet on that one. Some of you need to go back to elementary school. Two plus two, I got it. Four, seven plus nine. Oh, that's too, wait, that's two odd numbers. See, seven, take that, make that ten. Ten minus seven, that's six. Sixteen? <laughs> Eight times two? This next one's big now but I did Google it in your favor. I Googled it. What age should you know your timetables? Second grade. <laughs> so if you flunk this one, you're just dumb. Every second grader could get it. Ready? Here we go. Timetable, second grade. Shout it out. What is it? 45. Give yourselves a hand. You passed. I did that to show you that most of you probably hadn't done your addition multiplication timetables in a long time, but you still know the answers. Because it's just easy. 15 times 3, 16 times 3, 48, I got this. And that's the way people treat life. They just treat life winging it. This is life. Anybody want to solve that one? That's what your life looks like. That's what marriage looks like. You were dumb, and you thought that was marriage. 
Oh, dad, he's hot. He is hot, hot, dad. Dad, look at this. He is so hot. Jeez, look at that. Okay, go follow him. Oh, I'm not going to be a stalker. I'll follow him. No, don't you follow him, dad. But, but look how hot he is. That's what most people think marriage is. Young people, that ain't marriage. That's not marriage. That's not marriage. That's your honeymoon. That's marriage. Some of you, I just want a church. I want a great church with a great preacher. Bunch of fun people. And then you find it. That's the first day you went. And you went back the next day and they wanted an offering. Golly. Then they wanted you to serve. I don't want to serve. Then they wanted you to get in a group. Oh, God, I hate groups. And then a weekend, you're like, God, I hate church. Right? Because this is life. You remember what I said? Most humans default to the easiest thing. That's why they're not successful. This is, this is it. I, I, I'm going to go to the gym this year and get in shape. What kind of shape? Round. It's easier. John becomes my friend and helps me. And he makes it a little harder every week. And he presses me, you need to keep going, and it gets harder. And, and, and then I don't like him anymore. Because it's too hard. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want you to push me that far. I don't want you to challenge me where I don't want to be challenged. Because this is life. This is why God gives you friends that will push in the times when life is hard, when you want to give up. It's why He gives you people that will speak into your life to challenge you when you don't want to be challenged and say, Michael, keep running with the vision God's put in your life. Don't you dare give up what God put in your heart. Yes, it'll be hard. Yes, there will be pressure. But you can't give up. you got to keep going. So I want to teach you how to deal with this real quickly. Here we go. What you're not prepared for, when you're not prepared for the chaos, you'll wing it. And many Christians just wing it. They wing their marriage. They wing their health. They're just living carefree until chaos hits and then they don't understand why it doesn't work. And I'll tell you how powerful this is. You can take somebody who's having a health issue and rather than changing lifestyle habits, they'd rather wing it with a pill. Come on, tell me that's not true. Because a lifestyle change, too hard. I got to quit eating bacon? Just give me a pill. Now, most Christians, because we're humans, we wing our Christianity. And when it doesn't go good, we're mad at God, church, pastors, people. We're looking for the problem. Here's how to not wing it, how to navigate the chaos. I'm just going to give you four real quick. Number one, just get a plan. And stop waiting on God to download it. Just make one. There's enough Google knowledge you could get a plan. If your marriage is bad, Google how to have a better marriage. Follow it. Follow the plan. Get a plan. I remember when I asked John to help me. I said, John, man, I try to go to the gym. I do sometimes. I do good. I don't. Sometimes I don't. I just need a friend that will I know will be there waiting on me. Because when I wake up, my, my mind's going to be, don't go today. But if I know you're there and you're going to call me fat, I'll show up. And he goes, okay, I'll call you fat. You need me to do that? I, call me anything. Just I got to get there. And he did. 
It got me out of bed many times. And he even commented several times to me over the years we worked out. He said, man, I wasn't going to come today, but I knew you'd be waiting on me. He gave me a plan. And I even told him, I said, you know why it's so easy? He said, why? I said, because I just come in and you tell me what to do, man. I just work the plan. Many of God's people don't even have a plan. So let me ask you right now, what's your plan for writing that book? What's your plan for going back to school? What's your plan for getting out of debt? You see, years ago, I whined about my debt, and I said, God, I, I just want you to help me. I just want you to get me out of debt. I just want, but I didn't have a plan. And so finally, the plan was... Now, I can tell you something real quick. If you want to know whether or not you wing it, you say, how do I know if I'm winging it? Here's a simplified answer. Look at your savings account. If you don't have a savings account, you wing it. You're spending what you make with no thought for the future. And that was me. I lived paycheck to paycheck, whining a lot. And I woke up one year, years ago, and I said, this year, oh, this year, I'm going to save $2,000. I know I can do it. You can do this. And you know what? I did it. Because when I had leftover money, I used to spend it. But then I thought, nope, I got a plan now. So without being spiritual, do you have a plan and are you willing to get one for your health, for your nutrition, for your marriage, for your children, for your education, whatever it would be? Listen to this. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. See, there's the blend. You need a plan. It's not God's fault if you don't have one, but when you get one, you better put it into action. And just commit those actions to me. Number two, oh gosh, this hurts. Outlast the pressure. Oh, geez, that's so hard. To outlast the pressure. You see, everybody loves the honeymoon phase, but the pressure of life. Everything's fun for a season, even sin. But the pressure of life. I went to the gym this year. I mean, I go consistently still. But I went at the top of the year, the end of the year. I went last week. Oh, my God. <sighs> so frustrating. Every pudgy person with a new attitude's there. <laughs> and I'm working my plan. My plan is easy. My plan is I go in. I sit 20 minutes in a 198-degree sauna. I get out. I go take an ice-cold shower. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, you will. I, will I take the ice-cold shower. I get out of the shower. I put my little workout outfit on, my black rifle shirt. And then I go to my nice little routine. John, help me get a good routine. I just bam, 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 bam. I do my routine. I'm in. I'm out. I go home. I feel better. Yeah, I went last week. It's like you've messed my routine up. Oh, you pudgy people sitting in the sauna need to get out of here. You're in my jail. Oh, you're all in my space. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Get off that bench. There's just people everywhere with new attitudes and new resolutions and new outfits and new shoes. And I'm just sitting there looking like I came off a meth addiction. I'm like, let's get out of the way. I got too much to do. But you know what I know? About mid-February, it'll be empty again. All the pudgy people will go home. And I'll have my little spot back. I just have to outlast the pressure. Because I know this about many humans. We start well, we don't finish well. Because of pressure. But if you want to have a good life, you got to outlast the pressure. Here's a good thought for that. He's made everything beautiful, Ecclesiastes 3.11, in its time. Here's how you outlast pressure. You have to give it time. 
Not everything changes overnight. Not everything's great overnight. But if you stay in life with God, over time, your life will be beautiful. Yes, we all go through stuff. We all have hard times, but we can make it. Number three, you have to commit to pray. Now, I don't mean pray like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep it. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep Amen. Or God is great, God is good, let us sing it for the food. It don't rhyme. By the we must pray the thing of the Lord today, bread. Amen. Put your hat back on. But commit to pray in the sense of this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines the steps. So you can make the plan, but then you invite Him into the plan. And then you say, God, I just need you to order my day today. I need you to speak to me. In other words, what God is saying is, you make the plan, but I'll walk with you. I'll move with you through life, Mark. I'll be on your side, Mark. If you'll get yourself up and out of bed, I'll be with you as you drive to the gym. I'll be there with you at the gym. I'm in you and with you. Just know this, I'll order your steps that day. And maybe while you're at the gym, I'll put someone in front of you that needs a little hope and I'll use your life in that moment because while you had a plan to go to the gym, I'm going to order your steps to be a testimony to somebody that needs hope. So my life is working with God. If you need wisdom, this is why we would pray, ask Him. Here's my plan, but I could use a little wisdom here. I've Googled all I know to Google. Help a brother. And you know what he'll do? He says he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. The last one, I'm going to ask the band to come back. The last one is to praise. It's the common denominator of all of us. You can be successful if you do these four things. If you'll get a plan... If you'll outlast the pressure of that plan, if you'll pray and invite God into it, and the last one is this, if you'll learn to praise. Many people can't outlast the pressure because they focus on the problem rather than praise. They glorify the struggle. Oh, you just don't know, kind of gloom, despair, agony on me. All of us have trouble. Jesus even said in the world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. We have to learn to praise. Now, I asked the band and Michael this week, I said, look, I want to do something different. It's the top of the year, and I, we normally end with communion and prayer time, but I said, look, I want to do it different. I just want to go out shouting and dancing and praising. I want to put into practice. So here's what I need. If you'll stand up with me, if you will. This is what I'm going to ask of you as we go. Two things. Number one, as you come here today, Michael and the team are going to be singing that song that we taught you, Praise the Lord. And as you come, I want you to take the past that you ripped off. The past you've already lived. And I want you to bring it to these communion tables. And I want you to just do a little trading. I want you to come up and I just want you to put that down on the communion table. And I want you to trade your past for His glory. And I want you to take whichever one you want. Whichever you want to dip or you want the one already pre-made. But I want you to exchange it. I want you to let the past, the old you, the addictions, the habits, the what-ifs, the victims... Whatever the problems are, I want you to just lay it down and go, God, I'm exchanging today. 
And then what I want you to do is I want you to take that little bit. Oh, it can be so defeating without God. You take that little piece that's left over that's your life. And this is what I would ask of you. I know it's a big ask. Keep it all year. And see what you're going to do with it. Bring it back up in 2025 and go, what did I do with that? Did I become everything I wanted to become? Did I become a better person? Did I serve God? Did I give more? And, and as you take this, do not go out of those doors defeated going, oh Lord, I want you to throw your shoulders back. You serve a living God. You serve a God that is a God of all gods. He is a healing God, a delivering God, a saving God, a providing God. He's El Shaddai. He's Sikhanu. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Imkadesh. He's our righteousness. He's our grace. He's our hope. He's all in all. And you may look at that little piece and go, God, I don't have a lot left. Yes, you do. If you've got God, you've got everything. And in the room, you may look at that and go, I don't have much. Honey, if you got breath, you got a lot. So here's how we're going to go out. Nobody's going to dismiss you. You're going to come to the tables. The giving boxes are here. Giving, giving glory and faith. Lay your offering. Take the past. Lay it down. Trade it for His communion. And then walk out of those doors and just give God your best praise. You want to dance out. You want to shout out. You want to go out spinning. However you want to leave. I want you to leave with some hope. Now listen, I'm going to build your faith with some scriptures. And then I'm going to ask you to just go out of here praising and do communion. Scripture number one. It's not the dead that remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? Let me ask this question. Do you want the dead people to do a better job praising Him than you? No. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God and praise Him again. So you may have had a hellacious 2023. Put your hope back in God and praise Him again. Don't talk yourself out of it. Number three, I will praise the Lord at all times and I will constantly Speak His praises. Come on. Constantly I will speak His praises. Not on Sunday. Not for five minutes a day. I'm going to praise Him all the time. Get ready. This next one stings a mite. With every bone in my body, I will praise Him. Every bone.